As a creator, don't you want to get inside the mind of the people choosing or not choosing you for campaigns? I know I do. Are you curious what they were thinking when they went with another creator over you? Wouldn't it be helpful to know how budgeting works and why the brand can only pay you a certain amount of money? It's only human nature to want to know why. As creators, we work so hard to create the perfect pitch, send it to the correct contact, be so patient while we wait for a response, create the best content possible, and really wow the brand that we're working with. But sometimes it doesn't end up the way we want or expect it to. After that, we're usually left asking why or what could I have done differently? But you typically can't just send the brand another email and ask, right? It's uncomfortable, maybe even for you and the brand or agency. So the question really is, how can you be the best brand partner from start to finish? How can you wow the brands with your pitch? How can you stand out from other creators? And how can you create rates and value that align for you and the brand partner? How can you confidently negotiate and be the best brand partners that brands consistently want to come back and work with you time and time again? I'm Kristen Busquet, and I've been a full-time creator for over three years and have brought in over $350,000 from sponsored posts and content creation collaborations with brands so far. Social Scoop is the podcast where we teach you, the entrepreneurial creator, to turn your online influence into a profitable, self-sustaining business. This week, we're here with Sonia Elise, a marketing consultant and the founder of Round 12, a collective of entrepreneurs who have come together to create the ultimate resource center for any client. They hire creators for brand campaigns, manage social platforms, help brands create content, and work with companies to strategize on their social and marketing efforts. Sonia takes a fluff-free approach to helping modern beauty brands gain visibility and become fan favorites in a saturated market. With her focus on helping brands identify and amplify their why, she has ideated and executed campaigns for top beauty brands like Clarins, Kiehl's, and It Cosmetics. Today, Sonia is giving us a peek at the other side of the influencer business. How does she find creators to work with? What does she focus on when looking at our profiles? How does she determine what rate she can offer each creator? What do her agency and the brand she represents expect for sponsored post performance? And what makes her want to work with a creator again or not? We're giving you the scoop on all things brand partnerships from the agency perspective. This by BizBFFs is Social Scoop. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 35 of Social Scoop Podcast. My name is Kristen, and I am so happy that you're here as usual. Okay, first of all, the Social Mate Monthly Creator Membership is officially live. We've got over 25 high-quality creators for you to connect with so far. And aside from the community, each month you're going to be provided with templates, exclusive podcast episodes, weekly reels trending sounds, live Q&A office hours, and our collaborative brand email database that's growing every single day. So this month, we released an episode all about setting your rates and creating your media kit with all the tips and tricks that you need. And we also shared our media kit and rate card template, our Notion partnerships tracker, and our creator rate sheet where you can learn exactly what your starting rate should be if you're having trouble creating fair rates as a creator. 
Our first monthly office hours are going to be on July 12th, so make sure you join in on the fun before then so you can hang with us on this call and get all of your questions answered by me and your fellow members. Plus, we are offering Social Scoop listeners 50% off your first month because I love you guys with code SCOOP, and that's going to be less than $20 that you pay for hundreds of dollars worth of resources and community. So you can head to the link in the description and again, use code SCOOP for 50% off of your first month and I will see you guys in the membership. Lots and lots of Instagram news this week, guys. First of all, Instagram Reels Analytics will now be available in third-party apps. So many of us, we use apps like Flick for hashtags or Later or Planoly for planning. I mean, there are other third-party apps as well, but basically they help us track these in-depth analytics on most of these platforms, right? So for so long, we've only been able to see this with feed posts and not reels. And considering we're all posting so many more reels, you would think that we would have had access to all of this data beforehand, but it is finally happening. So Instagram has allowed those third-party apps access to Reels data, so we can expect pretty much all of our favorite apps to start sharing those Reels stats ASAP. I know when I had spoken with Flick, when they were originally kind of releasing everything, they said that they have everything ready for this launch. They literally just needed this permission. So I'm sure a lot of the other platforms are the same, but I know Flick does already have this. So Reels Analytics coming to a third-party platform near you. And typically, look, why this is so important is because typically the third-party apps actually give you a little bit more information than you know Instagram would. So I think this is pretty cool. I'm very excited about it. Also, Instagram has officially announced their creator marketplace. So we had kind of the inside scoop a few months ago when we had originally seen that this was coming, but Instagram has officially announced it, that they are testing it, and that they're really getting ready to officially release it to everyone. So to give you a little bit of information, this is basically Instagram version of the TikTok creator marketplace. And I have mixed feelings about that one. Honestly, I don't really feel like I've ever had any legitimate opportunities from the TikTok creator marketplace. It's basically where brands and creators can more easily build branded content partnerships together in one place. So creators will basically be able to indicate the brands or the topics that they're interested in creating content for. They'll be able to find new opportunities and even take in-app payments for collaborations on Instagram, which is pretty cool. Definitely keeps things more organized. Also, brands are going to be able to discover the creators. They'll be able to filter them by demographic, interest, audience, all of these different things. And essentially, they're going to be able to direct message you through the Instagram app about the partnership. And it will, from what I understand, be delivered as priority into your DM inbox. But I have personally never had that happen yet. I actually got this feature maybe a couple months ago at this point. And all I've really been able to do with it is choose the brands of this giant list that I would actually be interested in partnering with. But that's really all I've been able to do. So I can't really speak to how great this is going to be yet. It seems like they're really still just kind of onboarding everyone. Also, Instagram is testing sending comment mentions via DM. So you'll get a direct message every time someone mentions you in a comment. 
essentially this is going to help you stay engaged with your audience in the DMs. Now, I understand that this is like very little, you know, news. It's nothing crazy here. But the bigger picture here is that Instagram is continuing to release content that encourages you to spend time in your DMs. So whenever we see this, we have to kind of take this pattern as a hint Instagram is valuing DM relationships and connections. They want you to be in the DMs. And Adam Masseri, head of Instagram, even said earlier this year that that was a huge focus for them was DMs. So what that says to me is because they're putting so much focus on the DMs, I'm going to spend more time there than I am in other places because that's what Instagram is valuing right now. And typically when they're valuing something and we use it, we're rewarded in some way, whether it's, you know, higher reach, higher engagement, whatever it is. So just wanted to mention that to you guys. Again, I know it's not groundbreaking information, but just kind of picking up on some trends here and some hints, Instagram is valuing those DM relationships. This is the feature that literally I feel like I've been waiting for my whole life. Instagram is testing the ability to long press on a chat to read it without marking it as seen. Guys, how many times have I wanted to read a message, but I was just like not prepared to respond to it for whatever reason at that moment, but I don't want to click it. And then they saw that I I saw the message and then they're going to be like, why does she read it and not answer me? Like I have like, (laughs) I get so anxious about that. So this feature is going to allow you to read the message without alerting the sender that you've actually read it. Groundbreaking. This is like the best thing ever. I'm so excited for this. So that will be tested right now. Hopefully will come to fruition very soon. I also wanted to just touch on this really quickly. It's not exactly news, but I'm testing a theory in this past week and a half, two weeks. I recently got the affiliate shop feature on Instagram. And as someone who typically doesn't really share, I'm not a fashion blogger, you know, like I'm not sharing outfits all the time. I don't have a lot of things that I talk about in my posts that I can tag as a shoppable product. So I honestly haven't used it. I've had it for a while and haven't used it. But I saw a ton of people online who have this feature talking about how much it's raised their reach. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to tag whatever I can, like my foundation. I'll tag my brow pencil, like just to test it out. I've tried it on four posts now. And when I tell you that these four posts have the highest reach that I have seen in so long, like no joke, I was floored. Okay. So my posts have been performing better than they have in months and months and months, which is making me feel really great, to be honest. But I really think that this shop feature has a lot to do with it. Obviously, Instagram is pushing shopping on the app. And this is kind of what I was saying about the DMs, you know, like when they're focusing on something and you can use it, usually you're ended up being rewarded, you know, in some way. And for me right now with the shop feature, that reward seems to be higher reach. Higher reach is equaling higher engagement. So if you have this feature, I would use it. (laughs) Even if you just tag something small, it's not really, you know, like it's, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. Tag your foundation, tag your brow pencil like I am, whatever. But if you do not have this feature yet, I suggest as soon as you get it, you start playing around with it and seeing if it does make a difference for you. You can find out if you have this. If you're a business account, you go in your settings, business. And then for me, it literally says affiliate right in business. So if you have that, 
you probably have the feature. Aside from that, I actually just got a message when I first got it, like a little pop-up on Instagram that said, you can now tag products. So obviously, if you get that opt-in, and I hope that it does a lot of great things for you (laughs) as it has for me. So that's all of our news for this week. But if you can believe it, we have been able to grow our Facebook community to about 700 creators. And I know as creators, it's very hard to find resources that we need. We have a lot of questions that we need answered quickly and effectively. That's why we created this community. It is a free community. It doesn't have the resources that our membership has. But if you just have questions that you need to ask other people, this is a really great place to do it. I mean, everyone is sharing their rates, helping each other out to connect with other brands. Honestly, just talking about experiences that we've had as creators, you're going to find all of that in our Facebook community. It's absolute gold. So if you haven't already, get in on the community by clicking the link in the description and I will see you guys there. All right. So today I am here with Sonia Elise, who is truly such an awesome person to have on this podcast because I know there are so many creators listening and we need the inside scoop from the people who are actually choosing the creators to work with. So Sonia, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. I'm super excited. Thank you. Of course. Okay. So I want to dive right into it. Tell us a little bit about you, your agency, and kind of how you guys work with brands. Sure. So I have been in influencer marketing since 2014, if you can believe it. The OGs before people (laughs) were even paying for things on Instagram when we were just paying for blog posts. Crazy. I handled, I know, crazy how far we've come. Seriously. I handled launching one of the very first influencer product collabs with Leandra Medine of The Man Repeller, which is no longer. Leandra, of course, is still in the influencing space, but that was really my first big foray into what it was to use influencers for marketing. And then from there, it really just took off. As we know, it's grown into such a huge beast. And I've been lucky enough to be part of it from the very beginning, primarily on the brand and agency side. And as you mentioned, I now have my own agency called Round 12. And I also work with brands one-on-one just as a consultant to help them set up what their influencer marketing programs might look like. And over that time, we really specialize in the beauty industry, but I have casted influencers for tons of different industries at this point. But for now, we're more focused on beauty and wellness as a whole for our clients. And so that really runs the gamut. Sometimes that is just gifting campaigns, like finding the right influencers that will become part of their network moving forward. We've helped people set up affiliate networks specific to influencers. We do long-term partnerships, asking people to either create content or be a brand ambassador for a quarter or a year. Right. And as you know, Kristen, because we've hired you many times, uh, (laughs) we also hire influencers for content creation specifically, which I think is an area that is blowing up right now. But we've been doing it for, I think... Two years we've been doing it and started to identify that for some of our brands, it just didn't make sense to ask the influencer to post, but we wanted that professional eye quality for their content. So we've been doing that as well. Yeah, Yeah. that's I mean, it's amazing how far you've come. And it really is so crazy (laughs) to think about like what influencer marketing looked like in 2014, 2013, like I remember having a blog back then, but, you know, Instagram was just like, you only had the filters that came on Instagram. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't even think anyone was like using it to actually monetize. It's so wild to think about. And it hasn't been that long. 
you know? <laughs> no, that's such a short period of time for such a massive Seriously. amount of growth in an industry. And I think when you hear people, I mean, when I do, when I hear people like complaining about all the ins and outs, and I'm like, you have no idea where we even started <laughs> on this journey. And when you think of like major industries that will continue on forever, like the beginning is always crazy, like the yeah. pricing, the tech, all of it. So I'm not surprised right. that, you know, we have so many hiccups in influencer marketing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're we're a somewhat new industry for the most part. But I mean, yep. a big part of your job is actually going out and finding these these creators, mm -hmm. these influencers to work with. And I'm sure you're probably pretty overwhelmed now because there are so many more to choose from than there used to mm -hmm. be even just two, three years ago. So when it Definitely. comes to actually casting creators, what's kind of like your process for actually finding these people to even like present to the brand or even consider for a partnership? Sure. So because I've been in the industry for a long time, we have a lot of history of working with people. Right. And my first and foremost go to is always to rehire someone that we've hired before. And that's like my top priority. If someone is successful, whether that be it within the same brand or a new brand, I always like to go back to people that I've used previously. And sometimes that spans back like seven years, people that I worked with that when I only had $100 to give them and they did it. And <laughs> right. I remember that and now I can pay them $5,000. So that's my first thing. Second is also like, what is the goal of the campaign? Of course, am I looking for men? Am I looking for women? What type of you know, communication points are they doing? Do they need to do a transition? Do they need to yeah. talk about a day in their life? And I'm looking through their content to see if they check those marks of what the scope of work is going to be like. And then generally we search by hand, which is, I think, something that probably makes us a little bit unique in comparison to other people. Yeah. I know there's a lot of platforms that can search through right, right. influencers, filter them, influencers pay to be on the app or agencies or brands pay the app for access to all the influencers. I just find it's an extra step and they don't always have all the info that I want anyway. Right. So I'm not a huge fan of it. So ideally we are manually searching either through hashtags, people who have tagged the brand in the past organically, okay. recommendations from agencies. So if you're repped by an agent, and we've worked with them before, sometimes we'll reach out directly to the agent and say, could you send us everyone who looks like or feels like this? Right. Okay. And then they can send us that info. So it's coming from a lot of places. But at this point, a lot of the people that I work with, I am rehiring from previous jobs, or I've seen their work organically through yeah. channels that I'm watching. Yeah, I mean, you bring up actually two things that I would love to dive a little bit deeper in hashtags, and then also mm. brands, you know, or people organically tagging the brand. So with hashtags, sure. like, are you guys mostly using like, location based hashtags? Or what kind of hashtags are you even looking at? Sure. So for me, it is a little bit of both. So if it is a brand that's like, hey, we want to activate people in Chicago, then yeah. yes, I'm looking at geotags and like where else is using that. If it is something like beauty creators or something that's more specific, we will scan through those hashtags. And I also really like going to creators that I know I like and using that suggestion feature that Instagram oh, has, yeah. the drop down to kind of like scroll through and see who's quote unquote similar. Yeah. Um, that's just like a starting point for us, I think. And normally right. by that point, like once you find one, it goes to another, it goes to another and you can kind of yeah. move pretty quickly. We also identify competitor brands or like-minded brands and we look through who's tagged them. 
So let's okay. say I was creating some sort of skincare or something and I knew the price point was similar to Supergoop. I know they have a big influencer marketing network, but they're not a direct competitor to the brand that I'm trying to promote. I'll go through their tags and I'll that's look and see point. what creators have tagged them and what their content looks like. And then that's how we... Okay. Start to reach out. Yeah, that makes mm-hmm. sense. That's really good to know. It's funny because so many, I hear so many creators and so many coaches and things like that saying hashtags don't matter. Like you don't need to use hashtags. And I feel like I'll use hashtags until I die. <laughs> I'm so loyal sure. to them. <laughs> I agree. I think they're there for a reason. I wouldn't say yeah. it should be your strategy for growth. Yeah. But in terms of discovery, there's nothing wrong with adding a few to yeah. every post. And same thing with tagging brands. I hear a lot of people say like, don't tag brands unless you're getting paid to me honestly that's bullshit like there's too many creators in the world to try and gatekeep your content from being seen if you want to get paid jobs you have to have a way in somehow and sometimes that's tagging organically Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, speaking of tagging organically, so I mean, obviously that is one way that you discover creators. So that alone right there is a reason, again, why we should be organically tagging brands. But Mm -hmm. from what you've experienced with the brands that you work with a lot, do they ever say like, hey, these creators, you know, are might be good ones to reach out to because they're always tagging us, always liking and commenting. Like, you know, does that like organic engagement and organic tagging with the brand really make a difference when it comes to hiring? I think it does. And that is the strategy that I impose on the brands that I work with. Now, I can't speak for the way that other people do it. But if a brand comes to me, especially one with a very limited budget, Mm -hmm. we normally start with who have you gifted that responded in an appropriate way? So that doesn't mean that they have to respond by posting content for free on the feed. But perhaps they incorporated into stories. They emailed back. I really loved this. Thank you. There was some sort of follow up after they received the gift that implied that they appreciate that brand and yeah. that they did use it in some way. They didn't way. just like throw it into a corner and never look at it again. <laughs> Correct. And I get it like that you're getting a lot of stuff. It may not be an option, yeah. but if you're an influencer and you're looking for a way into a brand, The gifting is the first step and you don't have to create content for free from that gift. But if it's a brand that you're really obsessed with getting paid with eventually, Mm -hmm. I would at least send an email saying, hey, I used X, Y, and Z. It was really, really great. I left a review on the website. That's a great way to like give quote unquote free content. Yeah. And, you know, please keep me in mind for future things. Please keep sending me things, whatever. Then you're like more on the radar than someone who never says anything and just expects eventually they'll come to me with paid. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it makes sense for a brand, you know, like they want to work with people who they can tell genuinely care about their product. So like if a brand sends you something and then again, it goes and sits in a corner and you never see it, never touch it, never share it, nothing like, How are they or never even email them back? How are they supposed to know that you even open the box? You know, like, I think a little email goes a long way there for sure. 100%. And that is how, you know, we have to start somewhere. It can't go from just paid right away, especially for small brands, larger brands that have big budgets. They like who they like sometimes, right? It's not about discovery anymore. It's about I want this specific person with this amount of following and this amount of clout. And there's nothing that we can do to change their minds around that. But when we're talking about mid-level brands who have, you know, less money to play with, 
they're tighter on their budget. There has to be a way to discover. And for us, it's a filter, right? So it starts from organic and then we go down from that into like responses. And then we go down from that into like, do they fit the follower range? Do they fit the engagement rate? Do they fit the content type? Do they live in the US? You know, what are those other little filters that we have to put on until we get a list? And then from there, sometimes it's rates that narrow people down. You know, sometimes it's, it's all different things their schedule, what else they have going on. So normally we try to select at least double the goal. So if I'm trying to cast 10 people, I'm looking at presenting 20 to the brand because there's always fallout. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a really great point. I think a lot of creators don't get casted for a campaign and they're always thinking like, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, they they must just not like me or like I suck and whatever. (laughs) And they kind of like take it so personally. But again, there are just so many different things. Like, you know, it could just be you're not in the right location. You don't have the right engagement rate. Again, like all Mm -hmm. those things you listed are reasons. It doesn't necessarily mean they don't like you. It's just you're not a good fit at that time. And I think that's something that's so important for creators to know because it's easy to take it personally. And then you're like, I'm never pitching again because, you know, (laughs) no one likes me and I suck. Like it's easy to get into that mindset, but it's really good to hear you say that for sure. Yeah, I definitely hope that people don't think that it's a personal choice. A lot of times we love people and they just don't fit the content or we present them to the brand and we're like, these are our favorites. And they're like, okay, great, but we want these people. And you're like, okay, you know, there's not, we can't force, yeah, it's their money. We can't force them at the end of the day. It's our job to guide them. Right. And the other thing to keep in mind is that like, if it's not a right fit now, doesn't mean it won't shift in the future. doesn't mean that you won't circle back. I think that first contact, if you pitch a brand and you're, you know, you're talking rates and other things, if it doesn't work out, like that's a way bigger step forward than a lot of people get to. So even keep that in mind. (laughs) Yeah. Like that is a positive to like you, you still made it to a certain point, which is again, a win in itself. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. I'm curious. So when you are kind of like going through this casting process and maybe you Mm -hmm. find someone that you're like, okay, so like they seem pretty promising. Do you have kind Mm -hmm. of like a checklist that you go through of like, things you want to see in their bio, like things you look for in their page, their captions, their Mm. photos, like what are the things that you kind of look at on a person's profile to decide like, okay, they're going to go on my list? So it depends on the campaign as always. It always starts there, right? So if the campaign is awareness as a goal, then I'm looking for someone who has a high reach. So I might look through currently their reels and see how many views the reels are getting. If it is someone, it's a conversion campaign, I'm probably looking through their stories and seeing how much are they linking? Does it seem like they've already trained their audience to shop off their profile? If it's more of a content campaign, then of course I'm looking much more closely at the edit How are they featuring products? What does that look like? Sometimes it's about talking to the camera. I need you to sell something. And if you don't post stories or reels or anything where you're selling to the camera, then you may not be the right fit for it. Um, So it starts with the goal and then we go from there. But of course, we're always looking at where are they located? What other types of brands have they worked with? engagement rate we always give a client of course Mm -hmm. um so those are kind of like the bare minimum but then you know we have additional columns of consideration based off of the goal of the campaign okay yeah that makes sense and when it comes to engagement rate do you guys have like a specific way of looking up engagement rate and then what would you consider like okay they have a good engagement rate good enough for me to say like maybe they're a good person sure 
we look, of course, we can only look at the engagement rate that Instagram gives us. So mm-hmm. we are looking at their comments and likes versus their total number of followers. Now, I always tell brands to take that with a grain of salt because I, yeah. when we do social media management, we calculate engagement based off of two numbers. So one is that one that I just gave you. So it's based off of the total following. The other one is based off of the total reach. So anyone who's on Instagram knows that your post only makes it to a certain percentage of people, maybe 10 to 20% of your followers. So it's really unfair to gauge engagement rate based off of the full following when that isn't even an option. (laughs) So we take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. And that's good that you guys do that. Because again, it's very (laughs) like for us creators, it's just Mm -hmm. like, oh no, well, this didn't even reach that many people. Like that's why it's not performing the way we want it to. So, you know, it's good. It's good that someone's fighting for us. Sure. I mean, we try to be as realistic as possible. And again, I don't know what other people who are doing, who are (laughs) casting influencers, but this is how we do it. Because there's also people who have a super high engagement rate on stories, which could be huge for a brand. And we can't see that until we get in contact. So we'll put the engagement rate on there, but we have to really like the person and we'll fight for at least like getting their rates and asking for more info from their internal engagement metrics before we like really drop somebody off the list. So that's sort of how we do it. Um, But there's not really a minimum threshold to me. 1% and higher, of course, is what we're looking for because there are so many content creators and influencers out there that like the higher, the better. Yeah. To me, what edges it out is when we start getting the pricing back. If the followers are similar, but one person has a really high engagement rate or a full percent or 2% up, of course, that's going to be the direction that I go in. But outside of that, it's not like, oh, you know, if someone's at below 1% and they have a lower following, of course, as you get closer to a million, it's harder to keep up the higher percentages, then we might say, you know, that's not a fit. But again, it's about the goal of the campaign. If engagement isn't part of the goal, then maybe that's not the issue. Right, right. Okay, that makes sense. So when creators are trying to kind of like work with agencies, because a lot, Mm -hmm. I mean, for me personally, a lot of the partnerships I do are through agencies. It seems like it's becoming like more and more popular because obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, brands can hand it off to you guys who know what you're doing. It's probably a lot easier for them too. So when a creator does want to start kind of building a relationship with an agency, should they be pitching you? Like how, how does that look in terms of a pitch? Like what's the best way for them to kind of reach out to you and how might that Mm -hmm. differ from them maybe reaching out to the brand directly? So for us, I think it's just about like being on the radar. So the pitch doesn't need to be involved. I also think like, don't waste your time because this is just like the very beginning of the relationship. So if you are creating a pitch that's like so thorough, that's fantastic. But at the same time, on my side, I'm looking at it for two seconds and I'm like, great, add them to a generalized list. Like it's not, (laughs) it's nothing, there's nothing that you're going to do that's going to be like, I'm going to give you a campaign right away. Stop what you're doing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. From cold to that. So I would just say like, Hey, I saw you worked with X, Y, and Z client. I love their stuff. If you're doing anything else in that realm, like keep me in consideration. Yeah. For me, it's like a properly formatted email, maybe a few links and a little bit of information about the type of content that you create and the following that you have. Mm -hmm. But like, I'm not going to open a deck. I'm not going to save a deck. 
I'm not going to like look at all of your analytics. I'm just not, I don't have that kind of time to field everyone when I don't even know if I'm going to have a campaign for you. And I think that's different from reaching out to a brand because a brand is already very specific. You know, here's other content I've created that would work for you. That's in a like-minded way. I posted these stories on this date about your product organically and got X amount of responses like seeing that type of a screenshot, I think in a brand and yeah. see like Powerful. that to me is like, oh, where can I find the money to start working with them? Yeah. As an agency, you're much more limited. Like you have the budget, you have the scope of work, you have the thing and you're already starting to cast. It's yeah. not as much of a like a free flowing. Whereas if you're at a brand, you might have budget that you can pull from other places right. and make things work free flowing. We don't really have yeah. that type of flexibility as much. That makes sense. Yeah, you brought up the kind of like a media kit thing. You know, you're like, I'm not, I don't have time to like look through your whole media kit today. Um, It's already, you know, I'm sure very laborious to like find someone's contact info and like reach out and send the email. So it's like also doing the attachment and like other stuff. It's just too much. I would just say like, you know, I saw that you worked with X, Y, and Z um, during your agency. Like I would love to work with brands similar to that. I've created content that's similar to that. Here's a link to it. Like would love to be on the radar. Because at the end of the day, it's like, it's tough to break that barrier, I think. Yeah. And I I definitely think it is kind of a shift in the way that people think they have to pitch. You know, a lot of creators Mm -hmm. have like a template that they use and it's very like, here are my stats, here is this. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like I... I think about pitching less of like sales and more of just creating relationships. You know, like you're there to yeah. just say, hi, I exist versus to say, yep. here's me and everything you need to know. Here's all of this. Yeah. Like, because again, that's like it, definitely, yeah, yeah it that's feels definitely too the way that I would, I would think about it for sure. And it, yeah, there is a, you know, even that intro is part of the sales process, right? It's like the warm up part. Yeah. So like yeah. from a marketer's point of view, we don't come in and just say like, buy this thing. It's normally yeah. like, like this thing, know this thing exists. Right. See, uh, see other times. people use this thing right before yeah. we're like, buy this thing. So it's very similar for a creator. And I think if you're a creator who's landed, I mean, if you haven't gotten any brand deals yet, I can understand how it feels like a little bit more stressful. But if you are a creator who actually takes the time to like look back at like the last five brand deals and think about how they came to you, I almost guarantee you it's not going to be from cold pitching. <laughs> they came to you some, some other way. So take that as a learning yeah. and be like, great, how can I more invest in this way right. that they came through? Yeah, that's something that I'm actually kind of going through right now. So I have mm-hmm. a manager that I work with and basically she sends out like all my cold pitches. And I just yep. got to the point where I was sitting down talking to her and I was like, I just don't think we should do this anymore. Like, I think it's sometimes Agreed. kind of a waste of time, you know, like we spend mm-hmm. so much time putting together a pitch and it's just there's there's so much coming into your inbox and things like that, yep. that it's just it doesn't usually convert into something that's going to be worthwhile. So I'm just mm-hmm. like, I would rather spend our energy like finding brands yeah. that I can like, you know, organically incorporate, then maybe like, you know, start talking to a little bit more instead of just sending cold pitches, copy and paste to everyone we possibly can. Because again, I think it's kind of a waste of time at this point. And everyone's saying the same I thing agree. in their pitch too. You guys must get so sick of reading the same thing. <laughs> 
Yes. And it's just like, especially within an agency, there's no like research, right, guys? Not like what we yeah. do, or I'm seeing spelling errors, or, you know, like oh. if there's spelling errors or other like small mistakes in the first cold pitch, it's an immediate delete for me. Like, I'm not <laughs> even at it because like I already. I'm sure this is a whole I'm other the, conversation, but I already struggle with like the bullet points and stuff that influencers give me on the actual content they're submitting. <laughs> and I'm like, if I can't even trust you to send the first email correctly, I was like, I already right. know that the partnership is going to be messy, which means I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's more time and energy from you guys. And that costs you exactly. money, you know, so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't blame you. Yep. <laughs> So once you have actually, you know, you found this person, you kind of did your little Mm -hmm. check through to make sure like, okay, this is someone we want to, you know, have on this list of, again, 20 creators, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Once you have actually kind of reached out to that creator, they've confirmed interest. How do you determine what rate that you'll be able to pay them? And like, how flexible can a brand or an agency really be? really be so typically we're working on a full campaign at the same time Mm -hmm. whether that is broken up by month a lot of our clients have like a spending limit per month that they're going to do or quarterly those are like the most common ones and it's a lump sum budget so if you're the type of creator that responds back without rates and what is your budget that's like an immediate delete for me. I can't do it. Right. I'm you're like, like well, our budget's 50000 but like we yeah, can't pay you the whole 50000 So like. <laughs> exactly. I'm yeah. trying to meet a certain amount of content. Maybe it's like, you know, that we work in hair care quite frequently. Yeah. I'm looking for like one blonde, one redhead, one curly hair, right? Like I can't just tell right. you, like I don't have it siphoned out in that way. I'm always approaching with a very detailed scope of work and I'm asking you what the rate is. I was like, send the rate or don't. Yeah. Um, But at the end of the day, we'll add more emails (laughs) trying to figure out how much we'll pay up front. So that just time is money. Exactly. So send the rates. In terms of flexibility, for our agency specifically, we try not to counter offer for lower than 20% as a discount. So sometimes if we're looking at multiple people, we either try, of course, we try to accept the first offer and not like lowball. Yeah. And if the first offer, though, is like way out of scope, then we're just going to say, you know, it's out of fit. Thank you. Right. Um, I'm not going to come back and ask for like half of what you just quoted. Right. Because we're not going to come close. If you're close and I need $250 off, $500 off. I'll come back with that kind of offer because I feel like that's reasonable, but I try not to insult. I'll just say it's not going to be a fit for us. So I think knowing what other people are pricing is probably pretty good because we're looking at people, you know, all within like a similar follower level, a similar engagement rent, similar style. So ideally the rates are coming in kind of close together. Yeah. And then from there, it's just sort of like piecing it together on what's going to work. Sometimes it's the usage rate that takes us over and we're just trying to negotiate the usage rate. Sometimes it's the content creation rate and we'll try to negotiate that. But we try and keep it pretty close to full price, as full price as we can. Right. In terms of the amount that we have to play with from the brand side, more or less, very rarely are they going to give us more. There would have to be an incredible opportunity where we're like, we really want this other person. They have incredible metrics. Like, can we get $5,000 more? Maybe. But outside of that, we have the budget. We need to spend within it. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I think that's like a big part of your job is like the brand gives you the money and they're like, you just say we're going to do everything we possibly can with this money, you know? So 
it makes exactly. sense because like it would be like if you paid a bill and then they were like, well, actually, we need you to pay a bunch more. And you're like, yeah. no, you know, so like I, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Now, with this kind of like casting process that you go through where you are negotiating mm-hmm. back and forth and getting rates and, and all of that, how long does that process typically take? Like it's a pretty quick process, isn't it usually? We're trying to get everything back within a week normally, but you would be shocked how long some people take to respond. That's like a huge negative for me in the influencer world. How long people take to respond to things is just like shocking. I don't know if they need to like CC'd another email or what, but it just like takes too long sometimes and I'm following, you know, we're following up. Can we get the rates? Did you see this? Sometimes it's about like, we can't find their email address and we're trying to DM them through Mm. Instagram or TikTok and that's super annoying. So all of those things are things to take into consideration. Like ease of contacting you is very, very high and that response rate needs to be high. So that's one thing is like, if you can find a way to filter through your emails, because I'm sure every influencer gets a ton of emails and not all of them are relevant. We try to put the word paid in the subject line so that people are understanding Actually that this is a paid attention. partnership opportunity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, They're like, oh, I should open I this think, one. <laughs> yeah, like maybe open me and respond. But I also think being really detail-oriented in reading what we wrote before yeah. you respond also speeds it up. So a lot of times I'll, you know, send out and I'll say the scope of work is and I need two rates, right? And you'll see, yeah. you'll see this email from me a lot. One rate is for the content creation and organic right. usage. Please send. One is for if the brand would like to use for paid ads, please send. The amount of people who don't send the two separate rates, the amount of people who send rates that are not for something that we asked for, Mm. because I guess maybe they're on autopilot or they don't read it closely Mm. enough and we have to follow up. Like All of that extends the process and makes me have less faith that you're going to be detail oriented yeah. in the actual content process. No, I mean, so those sense. are all yeah. things to keep in mind. <laughs> yeah. So side note for anyone who's listening, uh, make sure you have your email yeah. in your bio. I think that's yep. going to make your life a lot easier. And then, you know, like be on your email frequently. I be think on like that email if, game. if I can try and respond to every email within like 12 hours or less, I consider that a pretty good week. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. I think that's fantastic. Normally we're looking for like 24 hours or less, at least like a response with like, yes, yeah. I'm interested. Here's the information. And we try again to be so clear cut and be like, please yeah. respond with like, where are you located? Are you going on vacation in the next three months? Like we are asking all the questions up front. Exactly. And that's part of the reason why I encourage brands to hire someone with more experience because you'll waste so much yeah. more time in not thinking about the future. And one of those things in the right. future is like, are you traveling? Do you not live in the US? Like, are there other brands that you're working with that are yeah. competitive to this? Like having all those conversations up front in that first email really helps us speed up the process for a brand. Yeah, definitely having it all out on the table, I'm sure is very helpful. Mm-hmm. You did mention, you kind of just talked about this a little bit now, but I do remember hearing yeah. it in one of your podcast episodes. For anyone who doesn't know, Sonia has an amazing podcast. It's actually one of the few podcasts I actually listen Thanks. to. So <laughs> I do love it. So, okay, you had mentioned that typically you have kind of like a budget for the the deliverables or the content. Mm-hmm. And you also have like a separate ad spend budget. So can you yep. kind of explain what that is? And then also like what might creators maybe need to know about this when it comes to like pitching or negotiating their rates? Sure. So for a company like mine, we do both 
the influencer side. We also do social media for brands and we also do paid ads. So a lot of times brands have their budget split. So influencer marketing and content creation might be under one umbrella Mm -hmm. where their budget has been allocated, but ads, paid ads is a different budget. Now, not everyone works this way, but I always encourage the brands that I work with that the content creation and the influencing side should be paid for separately than licensing their images for ads. That budget or the price that they give us for that needs to come out of the ad side of things because it's directly related to the ROI of that campaign. So typically, and this is how we work with, you know, some of the brands that I know that you've worked with me on is we have the content creation budget. And Mm -hmm. that's why we're asking for two rates from people. How much is it to create the content and for us to organically post on our social? And how much is it if the brand would like to use that for 30 days worth of ads? So having those broken out separately, recently, I went through, I think, a 48 hour ordeal with a manager where I was emailing, trying to clarify a million times what the usage rate was for ads because they kept including it in the content rate. So they said the content rate is this much. And if you want to use it for ads, it's this much. I'm like, yeah, but what is it separately? Because 30 days is one thing, but a lot of times we're running ads for 60 days, 90 days, even longer. And I need to know how much more I'm going to have to pay every single month. And I'm not going to repay for the content creation part right. every single month, right? You already created the content. Yeah, you exactly, paid for that. Exactly. I only want to pay the usage rate. And to explain this was, I felt like I was in like 400 level algebra. I could not understand why I oh, wasn't no. getting the explanation correct and I wasn't getting the rates back correctly. So I think for everything that you're doing, make sure you know what the paid ads usage rate yeah. is going to be separately per 30 days is what I would always right. recommend you. And apparently, mm-hmm. make sure you have a manager who understands how usage works. That's really scary. No, it's actually low-key really scary. <laughs> I don't want to dog managers, but honestly, like I just, I run into very few that I like. I've had some <laughs> questionable management in the past, so I know that exact feeling. <laughs> yep. I would definitely no. say, I mean, I've had influencers ask me to manage them so many times and I say, I will guide you on how to build your own business, but I will not manage you. <laughs> No, I can't. It's that's a lot. That's a lot of work. I would not want to be (laughs) responsible for that. Now, when it comes to ad usage, so like with what creators are charging for whitelisting or what they're charging for just general paid usage, what Mm -hmm. is like the typical, like what's reasonable for you guys? Like I've always heard that somewhere between 25 to 30% of your base rate per 30 day period is kind of industry standard. Is that like pretty fair? I would say that's pretty fair. In our contract standard, if no one, if they don't give us a rate, it mm-hmm. says 10%. Most people negotiate up to 20. I've had some people try to give me like 50 to 100%, like it's double. That I'm not going to do. So um, yeah, it's a lot. I was like, you're, you're essentially trying to upcharge for something that you already did the work for. This is yeah. what I would call free money if we decide to pay it. So right. I think that 20 to 30% makes sense. If the brand is whitelisting through your account, yeah. I would say you have the leverage to ask for more. 
So that's two different things, right? We whitelist mm-hmm. content and you create it and we use it for ads on our business accounts. Right. Or we whitelist your audience. That's different. That's where we're plugging into your already created audience and we're running the ads through your account. So it's yeah, showing it's up them. as your Instagram account. That right. I feel like you could probably ask for more because it's allowing us, number one, your audience metrics. Number two, the ad looks like it's coming from your account instead of from yeah. the brand account. So I always expect that people are going to ask for a little bit more for that. So you might be able to go up a little bit more on that one. But outside of that, I do think that 20% is like a great middle ground. 30% is what maybe you can start with knowing that you're going to come down to 20 if they ask. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Now you kind Mm -hmm. of brought up negotiation a little bit. I know that Mm -hmm. a lot of the creators that I work with are terrified of negotiating. (laughs) Honestly, I feel like at this point, I kind of love doing it. I don't know why. It's like, it's cool. You know, it's satisfying to be like, wow, I brought like this to this. Like, that's so cool. Yeah. So are there any tips that you can kind of give knowing what you know about, you know, being in an agency or being part of a brand? You know, what kind of tips can you give creators about negotiating? To me, I would say always be open to negotiation. So if anyone ever comes back and is like, no, then I'm like, okay, well then no. I would say to start with the scope of work. So if it's like, okay, I can do it for that rate, but I need to remove one of the assets. That's a great place to start. Or, you know, I can do it, but it needs to be, I need a longer period of time, perhaps. You want to give, the brand wants it back in one week. Okay, I can do it for the lower rate, but I need two weeks because I can't be also rushed into it. Look for other things. Or if you really want the rate, ask to add more. So I think that actually is a better tactic than removing because the brand always wants more. (laughs) So if you're saying 5,000 and we're saying 4,500 and you really want the 5,000, consider adding more assets because you're already creating that photo shoot. You're already doing it. Um, So maybe say, I'll make sure this goes into stories. I will re-promote in stories after another seven days. I'll X, Y, Z, I'll add these on to keep that 5,000 and see what they say. Because adding on more is more valuable for us. And it's probably a little bit less work for us too. Yeah, exactly. It is less work. Exactly. Mm, The influencer is already like making the photo shoot. You're already doing the assets. You're already going back and forth with the brand. Like just add a little bit more to sweeten the deal to keep that brand interested because they're probably more likely to say yes to that than like, you know, oh, well, we we want this many assets. If you're taking one away, that's going to be a no for us. But yeah, I just wouldn't be afraid. I think it's all mindset, honestly. And this happens in like every industry. It's not just influencers. This happens for me as well. If a brand comes back to me and says that we want to use your services, but it's going to be this amount, I have to really think to myself, like, how much work does this take? Is this covering my costs? Is this covering the team's costs? And if it isn't, then I need to give a hard no, because What's happening is then I'm caught up in something for an extended period of time and there could be something better that's coming that and then I'm I'm trapped in something that's lower cost. So it's really a mindset game at the end of the day. And I know that's easier said than done, but (laughs) knowing that like if they're not if they're coming back with like a third of your asked rate to just immediately say no, there shouldn't be negotiation because to me that's not even 
They're time. not going to come anywhere close. probably not going to be a good partner. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, no, that's a, mm-hmm. that's a really great point. And it's so true. I think across so many industries, people deal with that. But the more you mm-hmm. do it, I think the more you get comfortable with it. So, I mean, a lot of yep. people who are nervous about negotiation have just not really had the opportunity to negotiate a lot. So, you know, I think the more you do it, the more you just become comfortable with it. I do want to talk a little bit about kind of like performance, because this is something I know Mm -hmm. for me, for other creators, that is like a big worry for us. Obviously, sponsored posts typically don't perform the same as a regular post would. Some brands Mm -hmm. and agencies know that, some do not. So, you know, like we're always nervous. Like, okay, if this doesn't perform really well, are they just never going to want to hire us again. So when it comes to analytics on a sponsored post, what do you and the brand expect, you know, in terms of like the numbers? Sure. So this is definitely a point of view that I think maybe not a lot of people in this industry will have, but it's part of the reason why I think sometimes brands want to work with us. I'm very realistic in the fact that influencers no longer have the conversion rate or reach that they ever had previously. And that's partially because I've been in the world for a long time and I've seen it decline extensively. So if a brand is coming to me and saying, we want to work with influencers because we want to increase sales, I'm going to tell them that's probably not a great idea. Probably not the best use of your funds. They are still a piece of the puzzle. They do still convert. It's nowhere near what it used to be. And I don't think it can be such a big part of your strategy in your marketing. So that's where I'm going to start. But Outside of that, when we were maybe like two years ago, when we were working with some creators, we would ask them to give us the average of like their engagement across certain things. And we would put that in the contract. And we would say, if it is below the average, we would like in good faith for you to re-promote one more time Mm -hmm. in some way. To me, I don't think that's crazy. You've already created the content. We're asking for more stories, reshare the post to stories. It's taking literally zero of your time. And as a good partner, you should want to do that anyway. But these days, I don't do it as much. We're seeing much more people say no to those types of things. Um, They don't want to be held to any sort of accountability. Yeah, I mean, I get it. But also, I think the way you you kind of said how you guys do it, though, I think is more fair than I've seen it done in the past. Like if you're taking Mm -hmm. my numbers and expecting me to reach my numbers, like I think that makes sense. But I've had brands who are like, oh, if it doesn't reach 10% engagement or something. And I'm just like, I don't even get that on most of my posts. Like how can you expect that? You know, and especially again, like a sponsored post typically is not performing the same way. So like, I think that's a realistic way of going about it. I get why a creator might be nervous because like, with Instagram, like we never know, you know. what it's going to look like that day. Exactly. But, you know, I think if you're using my mm-hmm. numbers, it's like not the worst situation. For sure. And we're trying to ask for things like that. I think influencers should be offering anyway in a paid partnership. Like to me, that is what brings me back to people. If someone's like, hey, this is performing lower than my average. I'm just so you know, I'm like, I'm going to repost it on stories again and like give it another little yeah. boost. Like, to me, that takes almost zero of your time. Like that is a very small add on to try to show a partner that you're really invested in success. Right. It may move the needle. It may not move the needle. Like there, you know, who but knows? The but to me, that's there. like, 
the effort is there and you're aware of what a partnership is. Like you're aware of the numbers. You are watching this and this is high on your radar. And I think many people are plug and play in this industry and they're not looking. They don't care. It gets posted. We never hear from them again. They don't invoice us for 90 days. Like they don't come back with insights. And I'm like, what is happening here? It's like you (laughs) finished it and then like you just ran away. Like do you want to get paid? (laughs) Yeah. To me, what happens at the end of a partnership is one of the most pivotal times. The whole partnership, of course, is pivotal, but sometimes people are great with like the initial content, they're doing all the things. And then at the end, they just like never send insights, never say thank you, never check back in on like, hey, like, how did this perform for the brand? Those are the types of things like to me that sets an influencer or creator apart um, that I want to work with them again, like right away. I love that. No, I mean, like, that's a really good point. Because again, like, I think we focus so much on the pitch and the negotiation and creating the content and everything. Mm -hmm. But wrapping it up isn't typically like a big topic of conversation. So I mean, like, I guess since you brought that up, what would look like kind of the perfect wrap up? You know, when someone finishes all their posts, what do you want to see from them? I actually got this from a creator just yesterday and I emailed her back instantly and I was like, thank you so much for being an incredible partner and I will absolutely be trying to hire you again. We always put in our contracts within seven days, within seven business days, we need the insights back. Right. She emailed back, the partnership is wrapped up, the insights are in this Dropbox, here is the link. I really loved working with the brand. I actually organically purchased it again and have re-recommended it on stories. Please keep me in mind for future partnerships. She had every analytic that we had asked for in there without having to ask again. And it was all organized and like good to go. And we didn't even have to email the first time saying, hey, where are the analytics? Which 90% of the time we do. Don't wait for somebody to ask, like have that calendar reminder before and say, hey, this is done. Get those analytics, send them off and like be done with it with like a nice note and some insights. Oh, I got a lot of great comments on this or whatever you want to say, but say something, have that W9 ready, have the invoice ready, like read the contract, know what's going on. That's really what I'm looking for. That's like, I think the dream, which to me is also so silly because that feels like the bare minimum. I was going to say, it <laughs> shouldn't be like a, wow, oh my gosh, someone like wrapped up the partnership. Oh my goodness. <laughs> exactly. It is a little sad, sad um, <laughs> but it is the truth. And I think that's why so many people complain yeah. about influencer marketing is because we're working with a lot of people who have not worked on the business yeah. end of things. They have not managed not their own accounts. Yeah. Exactly. Or like they don't realize what happens on the business end on our side and how important those things are and how much people are asking us, like, how did this perform? What's going on? Like, blah, blah, blah. And when we don't have the answers, like we look dumb. So I'm not going back to a person who made me look dumb. Yeah, make you look good to your clients, make you look good to your boss. Right, exactly. And I have Mm -hmm. one last question real quick for you. I'm curious. Do Uh you feel like some of the brands that you're working with are asking more for TikTok content versus Instagram? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We're pushing way more people over to TikTok or what I think is a great, you know, nugget is for the organic creation to be on TikTok, but and to flow over to Reels. Yeah, I love that. That's more where we're at. It's funny that you say that because that's exactly where my mind has been at with pitching. I'm like, (laughs) instead of just, you know, again, sending these cold pitches, I want to organically post about them on TikTok because I care less and I can post more on TikTok. Mm -hmm. So it feels like a lot less pressure for me. 
I want to organically share them on TikTok, then send them that as part of my like, hey, I exist. I posted this. Have fun. Talk to you soon. And then mm-hmm. hopefully I can get something on, on Instagram. I love that. you. Said I that. think that's that a great angle because not enough brands have migrated over yet. Yeah. And many of them don't know where to start. So I think pushing yourself on TikTok and it's not about the number of followers over there. It's right. not. It's really about the type of content. We just spent, I think, like around 80000 for a brand just creating content for their TikTok. Wow. No one had to post it. We just wanted them to create it. Even that was like kind of wild <laughs> over there. But yeah, it's more the direction that people are going in because they can't create it fast enough. And they're looking for people who are fast creators who can get stuff done. And if you're good right. at TikTok, you know that a single TikTok could take you less than five minutes. Actually um, less than five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Like zero minutes. So I, I think that it's a great place to be. All right. 100%. That's a really good nugget to leave us off on. So thank you so much for all of this. It's really rare that creators get to kind of like talk to the people that are actually hiring them and, and pick their brand. So this was a great thing for me, but I'm glad that everyone else gets to listen to it as well. So I have all of your links to, uh, to all of your socials and your podcast in the description for everyone who wants to check Sonia out. Thank you again so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I hope people had good takeaways. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Social Scoop brought to you by Your Social Mate, where we help entrepreneurial creators learn how to monetize and turn their online influence into a legitimate, profitable, and self-sustaining business. We hope you absolutely love this episode and come back every Tuesday for a new one. If you really enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review here and send us a DM to let us know your favorite part. We're an open book if you ever want to discuss episodes. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at KBOUSQ. We'll see you next week.